to The Happy Hour, a palate cleansing podcast. Where we talk about happy news and creative solutions to the issues of today. And we believe news is best heard over a glass of your favorite drink, whatever that may be. I'm Shayla Martos. And I'm Malachi Wade. And this is our first episode of 2021. And the first episode after Malachi and I graduated. And our 10th episode. So a lot to celebrate for this one. Woohoo! Yes. And thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm. We have a great episode with some happy news curated to make things a bit lighter. As well as a special guest, Fernando Martinez, to talk about life post-graduation, jobs in journalism, and some of his current work for SFGate. But let's start with what's in the headlines. Victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Thus reads The Hill We Climb by the First National Youth Poet Laureate, Amanda Gorman. At 22 years old, Gorman is the youngest poet to continue a tradition including Maya Angelou and Robert Frost, reciting their work during the inauguration of a president. This Wednesday, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. was sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. And Kamala Harris is now the first female vice president, as well as the first person of both Jamaican and Indian descent to hold the position. But Harris isn't the only one breaking records. At 78 years old, Biden is the oldest person to become president. And Dr. Jill Biden will be the first first lady to continue working during her husband's time in office. She will return to the Northern Virginia Community College, where she taught over the eight years of the Obama presidency. And shout out to Dr. Jill's shins and calves working harder than 80% of the House of Representatives in that January DC weather. Because she had them out. Oh my Mm. gosh, people wearing gloves, big old coats, and she was looking great. Absolutely sparkling. Honestly, the monochromatic looks of our nation's influential women, Harris, Dr. Jill, Michelle Obama, the Biden granddaughters, even J-Lo, blew us away. Meanwhile, one of the only men wearing color was Senator Bernie Sanders, who seemed to be in the same jacket as the I am once again asking meme, gotta respect a thrifty outfit repeater, and the mittens. Shout out to the mittens. It was truly surreal to see all the folks join together to watch the inauguration seated six feet apart, making the white steps of the Capitol look like a houndstooth pattern from afar especially since just two weeks ago, the whole building was in shambles because of the white supremacist insurrection. Yet on Wednesday, the Capitol stood tall and Kamala Harris, born in Oakland and raised in Berkeley, was sworn in as vice president by the first Latinx Supreme Court Justice, Sonia Sotomayor, who still managed to mispronounce her name. (laughs) Regardless of how I feel about Vice President Harris and the need for systemic change, watching her take the oath of office brought a tear to my eye. I thought of my younger sisters, and of all the young folks who would see a mixed woman take the second highest position in this country and know that they too can enact change at the highest level. President Biden was sworn in by Chief Justice John Roberts of the Supreme Court over the Biden Family Bible. That's (laughs) Biden Family Bible? (laughs) Yes, that is their family Bible, and honestly, are the Bidens a part of the original Knights Templar? Because that thing is massive. (laughs) (laughs) After being sworn in, President Biden spoke of decency, dignity, hope, truth, and justice. He alluded to, but never named, former President Trump, who left early that morning to a meager military send-off where he spoke about the pandemic in past tense. The whole affair is best summed up by Amanda Gorman herself, 
as she represents the voice of a nation of people more aware of their privileges, disadvantages, and opportunities for coalition. Love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. President Joe Biden has stated his plans to enact 100 days of mask wearing and a more comprehensive vaccine distribution plan. Also this week, people 65 years and older have been approved for vaccinations. My grandfather, who's turning 79 tomorrow, was just vaccinated this last Monday. As of January 19th, San Francisco residents can sign up to receive alerts for when it's their turn to be vaccinated, both for themselves and their loved ones. Also, according to the New York Times, Johnson & Johnson are developing a single-dose vaccine that they plan to market to younger people. I think that's smart because people our age are the most likely group to be out and about being stupid this summer. And just last week, Sutter Health in Santa Cruz opened our first drive-through vaccination center. And mass vaccination sites in San Francisco include City College's main campus on Ocean Avenue, Moscone Center in Soma, and the SF Market in Bayview. Also, the Oakland Coliseum was just approved as a mass vaccination site as well. And in more health progress news, this week, BioNTech reported a breakthrough in treating multiple sclerosis, or MS, with another mRNA vaccine. MS is a potentially disabling disease that affects the brain and spinal cord. Here in Oakland, we know that civic duty is sexy. And among the devastation of the pandemic, it is easier for some folks to participate in local politics virtually. Through the Oakland City Council website, you can stream their meetings and sign up for email updates. You can also join on Zoom, watch on the KTOP public access station, or get live updates through Twitter. Reporters from Oakland side have been working to make the complexities of city politics accessible to those in the East Bay. At the start of the new year, they published an article on how to attend and speak in Oakland City Council meetings, and another on how to contact your city council member directly. Local politics are hugely important to communities, as the decisions made at the city level directly affect us every day, such as the city budget, and recent cuts deactivated three Oakland fire engines for six days at a time over the next five months. Each station only has one engine, so this decision effectively closes three out of the 25 stations in Oakland, according to the SF Chronicle. The City Council holds meetings on the first and third Thursdays of every month, along with some special meetings, all of which can be found on their calendar at oakland.legistar.com. We'll link below. Now this next story is a happy one, but we're going to have to get through some bullshit first. The violence against trans people has only worsened since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. More than 44 trans and gender non-conforming folks were killed in 2020, most of them Black and Latinx. This is more than any year before, according to the Human Rights Campaign. Where is the support? And who can they turn to for protection? Themselves. Across the country, genderqueer folks are creating mutual aid and self-defense resources for their communities. Right here in Oakland, the mutual aid organization, We Are the Ones We've Been Waiting For, works to uplift the voices of those in need and takes donations to provide self-defense kits and classes. The class series is specifically for queer, trans, black, indigenous femmes of color and starts this year, though no word on exactly when right now. They'll be led by Grandmaster Doug Jones, an Oakland martial arts teacher. You can follow them at We Are The Ones We've Been Waiting For on Instagram, where you can find links on how you can help. They respond really quick to DMs if you have any questions. 
Their GoFundMe is under Arm the Girls Mutual Aid, and so far they have raised 17660 out of their $19,999 goal. Woohoo! I know, great. It's probably more by the time this airs. Mm-hmm. Their Venmo is at We Are The Ones. Mutual aid is communities providing for the community, and for queer and gender non-confirming folks, community and chosen family is often all we have. So check out their page and see for yourself. Do a little research on this issue and ask the appropriate questions. This last week, California State Senator Scott Weiner introduced a bill to ban unnecessary intersex surgeries in California. We want to break this down and talk about why it's happy news and important legislative progress for intersex rights. The bill, known as Senate Bill 225, seeks to ban non-emergency genital surgeries on infants until they are at least six years old. The hope with this is that parents and their children are able to make more informed decisions about their sex and their gender expression. According to research cited in an LA Times article from the Gender and Sexuality Development Clinic at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, children start to have a sense of their gender expression between the ages of three and five. But completely separate from gender expression, the term intersex is an umbrella term for differences in physical sex traits or reproductive anatomy, worded nicely from Interact, an intersex advocacy group founded in 2006. This can mean variations in hormones, chromosomes, internal anatomy, and external genitalia. And just to be clear, intersex is not the same as hermaphrodite, and the latter shouldn't be used to refer to someone with differences in genital anatomy as it's not only scientifically incorrect, but typically used as a slur. However, some people have reclaimed the term, but it is important to know the difference. About one in every 2,000 people in the U.S. have non-conforming genitalia, according to Planned Parenthood. Or, as Shaylin likes to say, That's more people than redheads. Mm-hmm. Really. And there are numerous ways that a body can be intersex. Some of the most common types of intersexuality include Klinefelter syndrome, when a child has two X chromosomes and one Y chromosome. The cultural norm is XX chromosomes for women and XY for men. And androgen insensitivity syndrome is where a child with XY chromosomes body cannot capture and use the androgen testosterone. This information we got from a book Sexing the Body by Anne Fausto Sterling. For many people, being intersex does not affect their overall health and well-being, but having 12 cosmetic surgeries before the age of 9 sure does. Intersex surgeries are non-emergency cosmetic surgeries fully based on societal ideas of gender and what someone's internal and external genitalia should be like. The Anne and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago and Boston Children's Hospital have both ended cosmetic surgeries on intersex children and infants in the last year. Senator Weiner authored a similar bill back in 2019, but it was stalled due to medical associations arguing that the government shouldn't legislate medical practices. Intersex advocates argue that medical professionals shouldn't be performing unnecessary surgeries on infants who can't consent. Later in life, negative results of cosmetic surgeries can include gender dysphoria, pain or loss of sensation, trauma, and incorrect medical care, to give a few examples. So what can we all do to support the health and safety of intersex folks and children? As always, start with education. I found Interact to be a great place to start finding information and other organizations. Also, Sexing the Body by Anne Fausto Sterling suggests how to reconceive sex and sexuality. 
And there are many advocates for intersex folks on social media who often share their stories. Look them up. Everyone has a right to make informed decisions about their bodies, especially when it comes to unnecessary medical practices that are only done in order to conform to a societal idea of gender and sexual organs. We will be watching this bill closely to see what happens, and we'll definitely update you with hopefully happy news. And after a quick break, we'll be switching gears to welcome Fernando Martinez as our guest this week. Fernando is an absolute gem, and we are so happy to have him. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. We are joined by Fernando Martinez, a editorial assistant at SFGate and a San Francisco State University graduate from May 2020. Hello, Fernando. Hello, everyone. Hi, we're so Hi. happy to have you on here. I'm happy to be on here because <laughs> I've been like an avid listener of this podcast. So once I was asked in to be a guest, I was like, what? They know I exist, even though like we've <laughs> gone to the same school. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. Oh my god, amazing. Let's get right into it, if you don't mind. Mm. Can you um, let us know where you grew up, where are you from, what sort of things have influenced you as a person? I grew up in San Leandro, California, which is right next to Oakland in the East Bay, right? And for me, I I think I have a more expansive definition of culture than most people do. Because for me, culture is not only like music, film, in television but it's also like politics race gender etc because it's all part of the culture that makes up today and how does like your your identity affect those as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i identify as a queer mexican american journalist a writer i can't i'm one of those people who are like oh my god journalism is part of my identity what when did it happen <laughs> but yeah i know who i am and it took me so long to get to my sense of self right now that I wouldn't want to compromise that in my work by not reporting on things that I don't actually care about. I I love that you're saying that because I think that's just like really important to think about the context of of who you are and how that affects what you take in and and what you put out. But yeah, so so going off of that, we know that you graduated in May 2020, which is absolutely ridiculous, a pandemic graduate. Mm-hmm. I majored in the broadcast and and electronic communication arts, which is known as Becca. And so that was essentially media studies. But my areas of emphasis were like media theory and criticism, which to me, I've been doing in my brain since I was like 12 or like eight. (laughs) And yeah, and studying all that is how I got here as an editorial assistant at SFGate. And so I think part of what led me to my job at SFGate is kind of having this sense of duty of like to communities marginalized communities that usually get misrepresented or misframed could you expand on that a little bit and talk more about the specific job that you do at sfgate yeah definitely as an editorial assistant i help out with social media that means writing social media copy and scheduling when the social media post goes up Mm -hmm. i also help with the sourcing of images for stories and then putting them together for a gallery in the story, or either I embed them in the body of the story and make sure the right people get credited for their work. And I also even have the opportunity of pitching and writing my own features for the different verticals we have. We have, for example, a living vertical, 
a culture vertical, a food vertical. And yeah, and I'm also responsible for like finding daily news stories. That is honestly like so much. You have your hands and a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And like, it's so wild to, re- to think that like I got this job before I even started my final semester. And so I was just working throughout the final semester with this job. I didn't know you were working during your last semester too. Because um, for context, for anybody that doesn't know, Fernando and I both worked on Express Magazine in the spring. I was his editor for several stories and had a blast. Yeah. What I love about the job is that there is a lot of curation in it, right? And I, I absolutely love the fact that I get to not only contribute my individual parts to the job, to the website, but also I help keep the ship afloat, so to speak, because SFGate is a local news publication. So you have to take that in consideration. Just because you're interested in the subject doesn't mean that the readers will be. And I feel like that's been a very humbling lesson. I can only imagine, because Malachi and I just graduated. Mm -hmm. So we met up and we were like, we can focus so much more on this podcast in particular. And that's just like... It's it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote and pitched a story about 2020 graduates. I feel like graduates kind of were only considered back in May. Like, oh, they're graduating. Like, their graduation ceremonies are virtual. But then after that passed, it's kind of like they kind of got forgotten. So I interviewed a handful of them from all across the Bay Area who go to different universities who graduated in spring, but then some graduated in the winter. Some of them are from SF State. Some of them are from San Jose State University, and another one is from East Bay. I graduated in May, so I fall into that category. I know how I've been doing, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how my peers have been doing. And I feel like it's becoming kind of there's like a different feeling with it because now 2021 graduates are also probably going to be virtual as well. Yeah, because like with this whole idea of graduation and college, we've been like inundated with it throughout like all our lives you know going walking mm-hmm. that stage getting into a diploma with like all your peers grad parties, grad parties and not remembering the grad parties the day after <laughs> i'm still gonna throw a grad party when it's safe to throw a grad party even if it's in mm-hmm. three years mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> well i just kind of felt like if i made it clear when i reached out to them because it wasn't just like mm-hmm. hey are you depressed or like <laughs> hey is your is your will to live disappeared yeah like it's not like that <laughs> but i feel like i'd rather i just approached it as like hey i i'm fernando i work at sf gate i'm working in the story about 2020 uh, college graduates and like something specific i wanted to consider for example like hiring freezes right i knew i wanted to talk about that because it's something a lot of my friends and other people my age and peers have been encountering. And for people who don't know, hiring freezes is when like you apply for a job and then you don't hear back from the job, but then the position is still up. But then the position either gets taken down or you like you get a message back saying like, oh, we're no longer hiring because we can't afford to hire any more people because of the pandemic. This one, one of my sources, she says something to the effect of, I feel like I'm going backwards. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that's the sentiment a lot of graduates could relate to because she graduated right in marketing 
she wants to open up her own bakery, but then she had to go back to her retail job. A few of the graduates I spoke to, they moved back home with their families. Mm-hmm. And again, that's, I wouldn't consider that a challenge, but like a blessing because to have that option. And sometimes, like you said, it's a blessing to to have that option and like maybe not even pay mm-hmm. rent. But also like people can be moving back to, to you know, not so great conditions mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with my friend, Carasa Dimitrios Socas, and she mm-hmm. and I first started college in 2016, right? And then we graduated the same semester in May 2020, but we started college when like the presidential election happened in 2016. And then like four years later, we graduated with like a global virus pandemic. So for me, just hope is kind of what struck me as a theme because it's, I wonder, because I still have hope all these years later, you know? One of the stories that we also wanted to talk about with you was your feature on a Venezuelan pop-up restaurant that opened during the pandemic. Yeah, uh, I wrote a feature on this Venezuelan pop-up that was working out of the, the Soma district in San Francisco from August to, I believe, December of last year. And uh, I spoke with the owner, Gustavo Villarreal, and kind of how he came up with the idea of the pop-up, which is called Tavo's Joint. He was in a car accident, and on his way home from a concert, he got rear-ended by a drunk driver, and like he was in the hospital for quite some time. And he, he essentially had to relearn how to walk. Wow. Of course, you're going to reevaluate your life after such a horrific incident. He's a chef, and he thinks there's so much more other better food, more diverse food, such as Venezuelan food, but also African food. Uh, Middle Eastern food, etc. And so he eventually worked with his family to create this pop-up called Talvo's Joint sometime around when COVID-19 hit in March of last year. It's funny that this is a food story, right? Because I've read some food stories where it's like all about the food and not necessarily about the literal conception of the food through the people behind Mm -hmm. it, the history behind it, the ingredients behind it, the sentiments that led up to the situation where the food was happening, you know? It's not only about the food pictures. <laughs> Sorry, foodies. But, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> what was the interview process like? Who did you talk to? Because you're talking about, like, the people behind the food. So kind of walk us through the characters. I DM'd the Tavos Joint Instagram account, which is run by Gustavo himself, the head chef. And immediately he was just like, you want to talk to me? You want to write about us? And I was like, yeah, like what you guys are doing is fucking awesome. So I interviewed him. I then interviewed his brother and they're both there in their like mid 20s. And then I also spoke with their mother. That was kind of like a milestone interview, so so to speak, because it was just like a few minutes. But it was my first interview where like I conducted it in Spanish. Mm. And for me, that was just kind of like, oh, it felt good because I'm like, oh, I can make it, e- I can make the process easier for someone in such a simple yeah. way by speaking in like a tongue I've been speaking in all my life. Even though that was our first time interacting ever, immediately we felt like, okay, we get each other because of the Spanish, right? So I compared mm-hmm. it to like speaking to like one of my tias or like mm-hmm. one of my abuelas. Sometimes yeah. the language differentiation like would seem as if you're speaking to two different people because mm-hmm. in spanish yeah. she just immediately like mm-hmm. let it rip and <laughs> just it was like a lot 
<laughs> so it's like in in this case, and I think in in other stuff that you've done, it's you can see that that COVID has created so many struggles for people, but it's also created opportunities. I do agree with that because, for example, with the food pop up story, they they themselves said in the story this wouldn't have, they wouldn't have opened Tavo's joint had it not been the COVID nineteen pandemic. And like it's still in the very early stages, you know. So I think for now, just follow Talos Joint on Instagram because it's a great Instagram, and stay tuned for updates. I would love to talk a little bit about Contextless mm-hmm. and kind of what was your inspiration for the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I have a podcast. It's called Contextless. It's a pop culture podcast. The name Contextless itself, to me, it means to be without context. And I feel like we're living in a world where like we are, we're, we're just overwhelmed with information that people only view it on the surface level, especially with social media. They don't really get discussed with the nuance that is required of them in order to be like media literate and like just practice our critical thinking skills which is why let me make contextless a podcast and I, I also thought to myself why not bring in some of like the great people i know who i know are great critical thinkers because one of my goals with okay. this podcast is to demystify this idea that podcasts are only something like certain people can do that you can make a podcast on your own terms and bring in who you want. Make it about whatever you're passionate about. And for me, that was pop culture because I have a, I have an opinion on like everything. <laughs> so I was like, how do I let these opinions be known? For example, there was an episode where like Krasa and I, she was our guest, and we discussed like the discourse around Lizzo and like diet culture because that yeah. was like a big conversation on social media. But then we also talked about how like elected officials in the American government are like allowing people to die for the sake of like power you know so it's kind of all that things that you wouldn't necessarily connect with each other but for me you kind of fall under the all under the umbrella of like culture that needs to be like discussed and not just like dismissed just Mm -hmm. after reading the headline so do you have any advice for new podcasters or people breaking into audio stories something i struggled with is how do i get my podcast onto Spotify, onto Apple Podcasts, right? But then after you do like the quick research, you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's how you do it. And it can be intimidating, but just like believe in yourself essentially. And then you can make it through. And also just for podcasts, make sure like you have like a mission Mm -hmm. statement with your podcast. Because that's something you can always lean back on when you're like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what this next episode will be. Just like lean back on your mission statement. You'll be fine. Totally. That's good advice. But continuing that, so so you, not only do you have a job right now and you have a podcast, but you also had like multiple internships during school. So uh, do you have any advice for people that are applying, people that are worried right now about, about getting jobs and internships during the pandemic? Definitely want, this is going to sound like uh, super simple, but like, Make sure you actually want the positions you're applying for. If you don't want it, the people who are hiring are going to be able to tell that you don't want it. Both of my internships I've had before working, I wanted them, right? And I think I made that clear in my interviews with them. 
don't present the idea of who you think the hiring people want you to be just be yourself because like look i'm myself and like oh look at what happened i feel like that's something that i definitely need to hear all the time because i get nervous with like imposter syndrome and trying to figure out like who even am i and what do i want out of this job as i'm applying to so many things (laughs) we fall into this trap of like oh like like sell yourself right and it's in trying to sell yourself that you just end up regurgitating the same points that like other applicants would be saying mm-hmm. just like speak your own truth and be like your unique self because that's that's what makes you stand out that's exhausting to keep up like a false <laughs> a false sense of self when you're exactly. trying to like get work done do you have any advice for like the the written portion like cover letters mm-hmm. don't just list what you did like your duties at your job or position but rather like list how they mm-hmm. helped you grow just mm. don't be like i did x y and z period be like i did x y and z which enhanced improved etc because cover letters is what is perhaps the biggest opportunity for you other than like an interview for you to like distinguish mm-hmm. yourself as an individual very good advice <laughs> yeah you have you have experience with it so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well thank you so much fernando I, this has been a really illuminating conversation listen to contextless on apple podcasts and spotify um, we'll link that in our show notes and in the description uh fernando anything else you want to plug Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Fernando Fernan and then underscore dough, like cookie dough. Like sophomore high school me really snapped when he came up with that <laughs> username. Hopefully this spurs a little like hope in in other graduates and people who are going to graduate soon that like you can you can do it. Mm-hmm. Just just keep trying to push, push yeah. yourself. Yeah, like if I can make it, then you can definitely make it too. You know, I'm still making it. You know, we're never not making it. Thank you so much, Fernando, for joining us on the first episode of the Happy Hour of 2021. Really kicking it off. Which is so you. exciting to have you. Yay! And we will be back with some final stories and a cocktail in just a moment. Welcome back. Thank you again, Fernando. It is always a pleasure. We have one last story for you all. This is The Way. A new series of Star Wars books, comics, and digital shorts based in the time period of the High Republic are now available online. This includes content from a diverse range of authors and some amazing concept art. Seriously, go look at it. I am inspired to draw again, even though I haven't in 10 years. (laughs) This content takes place in a 200-year window toward the end of the High Republic era, right before the Clone Wars and the movies we know today, and was the golden age of the Jedi in the Star Wars universe. Also, a young spry Yoda will feature heavily in one or more of the stories published as a part of the High Republic epic. Yoda will appear as a teacher with a group of young Jedi, according to the official Star Wars website. The rise of the Jedi in the High Republic comes directly after the 24 millennia of the Old Republic, for those RPG lovers out there. 
Also, The High Republic Show, which will talk about the new books, comics, and shorts, airs on YouTube on January 26th. I will definitely be watching, especially because I don't know much about The High Republic, but I want to learn more so I can nerd out about it with my dad and Shaylin. Welcome. Welcome to the fandom. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I just love how analytically we talked about it. Like I want to I wanted it to sound like it was a history lesson, but then we're like, "Oh, and by the way, it's the Star Wars universe." Just in case you were a little confused, the 24 oh millennia gosh. of the old republic. <laughs> yeah. If you believe in multiverse theory, Star Wars is real. Absolutely. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show, our tailor-made cocktail recipe. This recipe goes out to myself and Shaylin and our fellow Capricorns and lovely Aquarians. So say hello to So Did You Have a Quarantine Birthday. So good. A creamy, fruity, fizzy concoction featuring one of my favorite spirits, the Korean rice wine soju. It's actually inspired by my family because we have this pretty often for family parties and it's delicious. Cute! Start off with a bottle of soju or any sort of juice for a non-alcoholic version and pour it into a container. Then put some popsicles into the container to melt and mix into the soju or juice. Here's the fun part because you can make so many different flavors. My favorite is the creamy honeydew popsicles I get at the Japanese market. You can also use non-dairy popsicles. And if you're using juice as your base, definitely make sure to pair your popsicles and juice flavors accordingly. I suggest pineapple juice with creamy coconut popsicles. The best part of the Soju Have a Quarantine birthday is that you can make it for everyone in your home bubble. It's like the East Asian fruit punch. Serve over ice and top with Sprite or any other soda you wish. We hope you enjoy our tailor-made cocktail recipes. If you want a cocktail recipe crafted in your honor, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And now it's the last call. Malachi, what's making you happy this week? A lot of things are making me happy this week, and I'm going to extend it to things that are making me happy this month, um, because okay. this month I turned 23. I am graduating college, um, so like hire me or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I started up D&D writing again, which if you do not know, Shaylin and I play D&D together. Um, and amazing. I'm just really enjoying not doing 70 hours of work a yeah. week. We just killed an anti-paladin. Have y'all ever heard about an anti-paladin? <laughs> I haven't. That was awesome. And And I created that character from scratch, actually. Um, using multiple Amazing. different like spells and stuff that I pulled from different books and things, managed to accidentally make it not hard enough, but maybe you'll <laughs> run into more of them again. Wonderful. Anyway, Shaylin, what is other than killing an anti-paladin, what's making you happy this week? <laughs> I actually turned 26 last week. Yes, uh, I am quite old now. <laughs> um, I am past the point where people stop asking what are your plans for the future? And they're more like, why don't you have a job? Um, <laughs> it's great. Uh, so I started an internship at KQED with the Bay podcast, which is actually my favorite podcast. So I am really honored and I actually feel like I'm helping and doing good work. So I'm very excited about that. I will be um, putting together my own episode. Ooh. So yeah, I'll keep y'all updated. And also, I got my driver's license in November, and then I bought a car in December, and before I had it for a whole month, the cat converter, the catalytic converter, was stolen from my Prius, so I had to get it replaced. 
So that doesn't sound happy because it's quite expensive. Mm -hmm. But now my cat converter has, well, now it makes my Prius actually sound like a real car because the muffler's like, right? (laughs) Kind of purrs now. And also it has a metal plate underneath it Mm -hmm. and then bars welded onto it. Nice. So if anybody tries to fucking steal it again, I'm probably going to hear them or feel it just like innately. Yeah. Like ESP or something. I'm like, God damn, someone's trying to take and then just wail. But yeah, so those are the main things that's going going right right now. And let us know what's making you happy this week in the comment section or on our social media. Uh, yeah. We are at THH Podcast on Instagram and at Happy Hour News on Twitter. Um, and we'll be posting lots and lots. Thank you so much for listening to our 10th episode of The Happy Hour and our first of 2021. We are really excited to carry this podcast into the real world. We will be expanding and growing as we enter our second year. So up next, next month is our one year anniversary. Thank you to our guest, Fernando Martinez, for joining us, and Armand Bellamoria for composing our wonderful theme music. The Happy Hour is now independently produced by two women so glad to be done with undergrad. See you next time. Bye, everyone.